Are there any new exciting developments that you've been learning about, researching, studying? So what are amino acids? What are the big five amino acids? In your book, you draw the difference between a true mood and a false mood. What's the difference there? Welcome, everybody, to the new episode of Sauna Sessions. Now, this episode, oh, my gosh, this might be one of my favorites, if not my favorite, because I'm talking to a person whose book I read maybe three years ago. And to this day, it's probably in the top five favorite books I've ever read. It's an important book. It is. Uh, it, it totally blew my mind. Uh, I've recommended this book probably more than any other book. Even the, my producer, Dustin, who's uh, the producer of this show, Sauna Sessions, he, uh, he read the book. I recommended it to him, and he's had transformative changes. So I'm excited to talk to Julia Ross uh, about her books. Uh, she's got many books, many great-selling books. The mo- that One is called The Mood Cure, which was the one that I really resonated with. Another is called The Craving Cure. And the diet cure. So, welcome, Julie Ross. How are you? Thank you. Thank you. I'm fine. Better to hear what you have to say about me. <laughs> I'm so just honored to to speak to you because you know when I read your book and it's it's about kind of amino acid therapy and different supplements that we can take to uh, to heal our our mood states. And there was one particular supplement that I took and it was called tyrosine, which you, you mentioned in your book. And, you know, I took this supplement after reading your book, after doing my research and, you know, everything. And, and, you know, I took this and within minutes, I felt like the only way I can describe it is I felt like me. Uh, uh. <laughs> I, I felt like myself. Uh, I felt clear. I felt cheerful, uh, more outgoing. And it was, it was incredible. I love your work. I'm so happy that you that you can come on. Uh, I guess my first question I want to ask you is, is since you wrote these books, are there any new exciting developments that you've been learning about, researching, studying? Yes, I have been uh, battling actually with my publisher of The Mood Cure, which is 20 years old this year around a new version. Uh, but they say, well, we're, we're still making a lot of money on your original version. We really don't want to put it much money into a substantial update. And uh, so it's a stalemate. You know, um, I won't do any less and they won't let me do more. So I would love to talk to you about some of these new things. But what I'm afraid of is that most of the people that are going to be watching this don't know about the core, you know, the five mm. areas of the brain mm. that control our moods and our appetites. You experienced, you know, such a profound response to just one nutrient that fed one of those five parts of the brain. Let's but start it, there. You decide. Let's start there. <laughs> yeah, let, let's, let's set the stage. Let's, let's start building a foundation. So, you know, in your book, The Mood Cure, you, you talk about we, ha- we live in a bad mood epidemic. You say we're a hundred times more likely to have a bad mood than people born a century ago. How did you come to that? Why is that the case? Well, first of all, I'm old. Um, So I was around in the 1950s. And 
you know, people actually sang when they walked down the street, they whistled, hi, ma'am, you know, uh, that kind of thing. So I experienced it, you know, in my own life and the people around me. You know, I've done a lot of research since. And uh, not only were we, you know, essentially positive in our outlook, but we were at ideal weights, too, really through the 60s. You know, it wasn't until the 70s when our diet made a radical shift that nobody really recognized at the time that we started to have these now epidemic problems with obesity and diabetes worldwide now because of the shifts that were made in our diet and are still being made to addict and poison us, essentially. I don't think I'm misquoting you. I remember you saying that food addiction actually kills more people than drug addiction. By far. All drugs combined don't compare to what this brand new deadly addiction uh, has accomplished worldwide. So we have a cure, a weapon in the toolkit, and it is called amino acids. So what are amino acids and what can they do for people? How can they help? Uh, let me just say they're the most essential nutrients for this time because amino acids are the components of protein. And protein is not something that you can crave because protein actually stops cravings, stops negative moods. So the foods that we're addicted to are the non-protein, the low-protein foods that are high in carbs, sugar, especially the sugar that's new since 1970, the high fructose corn syrup, high fructose agave and fruit syrups in terms of a, of a solution. You know, we're not, we're not interested in protein. We're addicted to foods that are high in carbohydrates and fats. That's where the cure comes in. Okay. Because even if we can't force ourselves to eat, you know, chicken or uh, whey protein powder shakes or, you know, uh, very dense proteins that could build us up, we can use very specific components of protein. So there are 20 types of protein called amino acids, and the five that can re-regulate the brain, turn off the negative moods and the cravings for toxic substances, we can take them as individual supplements like you did. And they have an almost immediate effect, and you can actually see it on my YouTube channel. We've recorded people, volunteers, trialing these individual amino acids and how quickly within minutes the individual amino acids go right to the brain and they start correcting this faulty you know, brain chemistry that really is the result of our faulty diet for so long. What are the big five amino acids? Well, the big five amino acids, each one targeting one of the big five areas of the brain that are in charge of our mood and our appetite. You named the first one, tyrosine, which is an amino acid that feeds the stimulating part of the brain that makes us alert and enthused and outgoing. Two amino acids that um, help to relax us. Uh, one is actually more like an antidepressant that prevents us from excessive worry, fear, irritability, obsessiveness, pessimism. Um, and that one is called tryptophan. And so that's our inner sunshine. The amino acid that helps us relax our whole body sort of melts when we have enough of it. It gives us access to inner silence also in the sense of peacefulness. 
So right. it relaxes the body, but it actually does something really interesting to the mind that it slows it in a way, but it also helps to focus it because it it eliminates adrenaline, which fuzzes our brain, you know, with with chemistry that interferes with focus and concentration. And then we have uh, what I call, you know, our inner opiate. Um, it's the the chemical that allows us to experience pleasure and to reduce unnecessary pain or excessive pain. Uh, it's called endorphin. So that's the chemical, the amino acid that helps us almost instantly raise the levels of our endorphins so that we don't crave chemical opiates. Yeah. It's called D-phenylalanine. Now, there are two forms of it, D-phenylalanine and D-L-phenylalanine. Oh, okay. I actually today got uh, a report from one of my professional trainees on her client's reaction to one capsule of DLPA. She was a chocolate. She is a chocolate, was a chocolate addict. And I wanted to read mm -hmm. it. Now it doesn't need to be the time, but uh, you know, if it fits in later, it's an amazing testimony. What is, yeah, now's the perfect time. Now's the time. Okay. So, so she took, uh, took D-phenylalanine. And she took it in the afternoon because that's the time where she could not go on without chocolate. Pretty okay. much the whole rest of the afternoon and evening, she was into chocolate. But here's what happened. Literally, I was walking down the sidewalk after leaving the office of, of my trainee. And my inner talk was saying, I'm so happy. Uh, and then I caught myself singing in my head. Um, I felt very at peace and happy the whole afternoon. But more interesting is around my afternoon chocolate cravings. I went directly to the market. As soon as I walked in the door, I found myself interested in olives. Uh, usually, I would pass those right by and go directly to the chocolate. I didn't get any, but I found it interesting that they were even interesting to me. Oh, at one point, a big section of chocolates was on my right, and I glanced at it and did not register it did not register me on any level. It mm. wasn't until I passed the chocolate, passed it, that I realized it didn't phase me for a second. And I had no interest in retracing my steps to check it out. Zero desire. And she goes on to talk about a particular type of uh, candy. It's JoJo's dark chocolate with mm. pistachios and cranberries. That's her <laughs> huge chocolate. Weakness, and she gets it in mm. bulk at Costco. She was surprised to see it there, and she picked up the package. She noticed that it was a lot more expensive than at Costco, uh, and she put it back without a second thought. Normally, uh, I would have probably said, I'm happy to pay the extra. It's right here in my local neighborhood store. I'll be back tomorrow. Wow. So when we talk about a cure, it sounds like, you know, it's really too much of a claim, but it really isn't. Wow. So now she's going to have to take it for a while. She's going to have to take it, uh, you know, every uh, once or twice a day for a few months and raise her protein, the protein level in her diet. And then she won't need these amino acid supplements anymore. That's the end goal. Yes. Did you find that you needed to take the tyrosine? No, no, I didn't. I didn't. I'm a pretty healthy person. Some might say obsessively, uh, even, though, <laughs> even though I definitely have I have my cheat days, my my few squares of dark chocolate every now and then. For me, I always say uh, we got to get the nutrients from the food. Sure, you know, some nowadays the way we have 
you know, the soil depletion and minerals, like we can't get everything we need from the food today. I mean, tell people go wild caught, grass fed, organic as much as possible. But even then, sometimes we do need supplements. But in my case, specifically with tyrosine, no, I mean, I only took it a handful of times. So that's that gives us a really good idea if, if we're really well-fed and good sources of protein regularly during the day. We only mm. need it briefly. You know, like some of our people, after a few months, they don't need it anymore. We say, leave it in the refrigerator because you may have a downtime. Something okay. you know really hard may happen to you and you might need it briefly again. Once the rain is fed, it's happy and it keeps delivering the positive yeah. moods. I just wanted to say one thing about what, what you said about diet, uh, which I totally agree with. But because the tobacco industry bought up the snack food industry in the 60s and 70s, there's just a, a, a study just came out proving that, by the way. I can send it to you. We haven't had access to real food because we were drugged. So that the only food wow. we wanted was food that would stimulate these five centers of the brain and give us a high. Without those foods, we went through withdrawal on a daily basis. And that's what people are suffering now. That's powerful. So it was the tobacco industry, which already knew how to deal, how to make drugs more addictive. And then they were given a great gift in the 70s, which was high fructose corn syrup, which is 10 times more addictive than table sugar, which is what we had access to before, which explains why we were having desserts. You know, we had a Coke every weekend, you know, in the 50s. But we weren't addicted. Everybody was at normal weight, but it was a different type of sugar that did not grab us in the same way. Yeah, we we seems like our our society has been hijacked uh, by by corporate greed. And you know, I love what you're doing by waking us up to uh, to first these facts and also towards actionable steps to uh, to get back in control. Because that's what I think the amino acids do is they they help us, like I said in the beginning, become who we are. And some people, younger people, especially, you know, who were brought up, you know, started out in utero with the mother who was eating a lot of sugar, uh, a lot of, you know, they've never experienced that. They don't know what it would be like to be who they are. You're right about the amino acids. They're inexpensive. They're readily available. They're potent. So you don't have to you know, take an armful of them, uh, one or two, if the mood problem is not severe, like yours wasn't, and like this woman's problems were not severe. Uh, she wasn't eating chocolate all day. She was eating it every afternoon. But there are people whose addictions to it are much, much, much stronger. You know, those are the people who are becoming diabetic. They know, everybody knows, if they just didn't eat high-carb foods, they wouldn't be diabetic. But they can't stop except with the help of the amino acids. So how do they yeah. figure out which of the five amino acids they needed? You figured it out. Yeah. Probably because you mm. saw the questionnaire in the Mood Cure, which has all this, the five sections. So you knew by the symptoms of deficiency in that particular part of your brain that you needed tyrosine. And sure enough, you got the immediate feedback. You only need a little bit, and that was enough. We get a lot of people who have been identifying with low serotonin depression and they're taking SSRIs and SNRIs and they're getting, you know, 
partial, usually partial benefits. But when they take tryptophan, uh, there are a couple of forms of it, but they get an immediate full relief from all the symptoms and the symptoms of low serotonin go on and on. I think we've got about 15 on the, on the chart. So those people know, oh, I've been, I've gotten some benefit from that type of drug that targets serotonin. So I'm going to try the nutrient that targets serotonin and mm. they get much better relief. So, and if wow. stress is a problem, they know it right away, you know, tense, necks, shoulders, just easily overwhelmed. They go to that amino acid, which we didn't mention, which is called GABA, which is the relaxing amino acid. And then they immediately get, oh, I've seen this hundreds and hundreds of times. You know, I'm across the desk from people when, when we weren't virtual. We are entirely virtual now. But, and, you know, hundreds and hundreds of times they'd come in and they'd be talking about their stress level and they knew it was exaggerated and they needed some relief. And I gave them a GABA supplement as a trial or a half a dose, you know, whatever conservative amount I thought might help them. Uh, I just did that recently with a man who'd been, you know, big consultant in, in internet sales and he was recently retired, but he still woke up at 3.30 and was stressed most of the day. I gave him this sublingual uh, chewable GABA and I was writing notes on the things that he was saying. And all of a sudden, he stopped talking. And I looked up and he was looking out the window and looking very peaceful. And I said, uh, is there something out there that, and he said, well, I turned on the sprinklers before I had this interview and um, it's going back and forth and there are these kind of rainbows in it, you know. And <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like mushrooms. Like, yeah, I know. Cool. Uh, he was not that kind of guy. And he found that taking, uh, taking it twice a day, his sleep started to improve. His stress level definitely reduced. Beautiful. I love those stories. That, that's incredible. Wow. I have a great life. You know? <laughs> I get to see this all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing better than a life of service. I'll tell you that. That's, that's a great thing that you're doing. I guess other than intuiting what amino acid you might need. Are there any tests, urine, well, um, blood? Tests? The, the uh, symptom questionnaire is, is based on the results of uh, blood tests for amino acid deficiencies uh, and also for neurotransmitter deficiencies. There's one amino acid that we haven't talked about yet, and that's glutamine, which regulates blood sugar, a glucose tolerance well, test. I know glutamine very well. I take glutamine because I, I I lift weights, I bodybuild, and so uh -huh. I take glutamine for the gut for like muscle recovery. And but it also has it's kind of like craving, like cutting cravings as well. Oh, it's it's in, in very small amounts. I mean, you're taking tablespoons, right, in, in your water <laughs> bottle, right? Exactly. Okay, yeah. so the so we're talking about a capsule, and it tastes good. So people uh, dissolve it, you know, that they were working with, dissolve it in a little bit of water and swish it around in their mouths and swallow it. Before they do that, we ask them, if you could have anything you wanted, you don't have to worry about calories or anything, what would it be? For whatever reason, uh, in this area, it's uh, a Snickers bar. So that's got everything, you know, it's got nuts, it's got chocolate, sugar, whatever. 
after they've taken the, the glutamine, we ask them, how, how does a Snickers bar strike you right now? Again, like this woman whose you know, responses I read to you, it's, it's just not there. This craving just isn't there because their blood sugar is balanced. It's not too low where they're getting an actual survival signal from the brain. Raise your blood sugar, have something sweet. Wow. There was a study, I, I, I think I heard it was a lecture you gave. It was a cohort and they gave them glutamine, but they said, don't change anything else. And they lost a ton of weight, right? Without, do you, do you remember that study? Yeah. And their, and their, um, their A1C went down. So their, their diabetes markers went down. <laughs> What's really <laughs> remarkable is how few studies there are on the amino acids. Uh, but so if studies were done, Guess what? You know, people would not be reaching for drugs. You know, it would be a financial disaster. In your book, you draw the difference between a true mood and a false mood. What's the difference there? A true mood is generated from within, from a, a heart and a brain uh, and a gut, you know, all working in harmony to produce mm -hmm. what human beings are supposed to experience unless something traumatic happens. And then there's a flushing of all of this great chemistry. The circumstances kind of overwhelm the brain's ability to um, immediately calm things. And it can last for months. So a tremendous loss, for example. A false mood, uh, they're negative, but they're true. You know, they're realistic, inevitable. But the false mood is like a constant anxiety, even though circumstances are not particularly stressful or upsetting, mm -hmm. or a chronic depression, uh, or even um, one that comes and goes, but doesn't really have anything to do with life experience. I'd love for you to share maybe a success story of somebody who maybe they were dealing with mild but chronic depression. What amino acid did they choose and what was their, yeah, success story? Well, we've had thousands of them. The majority of them identified with the symptoms or did a blood test and found that their levels of serotonin, so by symptoms or by blood test or both, they were low in serotonin, you know, that inner sunshine, so that everything looked negative to them. They were critical with other people, um, just unnecessarily negative, pessimistic, worried, fearful. We had a couple of year period where we had a lot of women coming in whose children had just gone to college and they couldn't get rid of this fear that something bad was going to happen to them and that they wouldn't be there to help them. And uh, as soon as we gave them the nutrient that allowed them to be realistic in looking at life's ups and downs, they realized that that was a negative fantasy, really, that it had nothing to do with the nature of their kids or, you know, the dangers at college or um, yeah. at this point, you know, when we get young people who are depressed, sometimes because their nutritional status is so low, typically from birth, um, we're getting many more very severe depressions, you know, suicidal depressions. And some of them are things that the aminos just can't touch. 
there are some people who have that low serotonin, negative depression, pessimistic depression, and they also have that sense of, you know, just not being mentally really on top of it. They're not very friendly or outgoing. Um, so they have two kinds of depression, really. And those people need two of the aminos. They need the one that you liked, the tyrosine, usually for a number of months, not for a few days. And they also need the tryptophan or 5-HTP, which is another form of it. A lot of, I guess, therapists, when they give the the SSRIs, it always performs better when it's when it's put with like a cognitive yes. behavioral therapy. And I'm just wondering if if there's uh, some type of behavioral therapy that that you've had success with combining with the amino acid therapy. Well, the truth is that most of the people who come to us have already tried that because a lot of people know that those are good forms of therapy and they have quick results for a lot of people without long-term psychotherapy and all of that entails. You know, they've done hypnotherapy, they've done CBP, they've, you know, they've done so many things in addition to the, the chemicals. It's something, for example, and this is something that you asked me about, you know, on paper uh, about addiction recovery. So alcohol and drug addiction recovery and all of those programs now provide those kinds of cognitive behavioral therapies, every single one of them, because there's so little value in psychotherapy for addiction. But the truth is that since the crack cocaine epidemic started the poll rolling, uh, prior to that, we just had alcoholism in treatment. And, it, and alcoholism was pretty responsive. 40 years ago, this is the 40-year anniversary of crack cocaine, when crack cocaine hit us, um, all the treatment programs were well established by then. And we had 100% relapse rates within 24 hours. We were doing the same things we were doing and getting 50% long-term uh, benefits, you know, sobriety for alcoholics. It didn't work for crack and it hasn't worked for any of the drugs that have come on since then. In 1990, um, I was trying to educate the field about adding, not taking away anything, but adding the nutrients. I was giving a seminar to other program directors. And I said, before we get started, let's, let's really be honest about whether we need something new. Is treatment so successful that we don't need anything new? I said, let's cut to the chase. What is our quick relapse rate? within a month or two, within six months, say. There was dead silence. Nobody wanted to be the first person to say it. But finally, somebody said 90%. That was in 1990. And everybody else agreed. They folded. So I talked to them about it. I offered to train them to use it for free. And not one of them ever contacted me. So if people wonder why they relapse, it's not their fault, but it's to the advantage of treatment to make them feel that it's their fault because they'll come back thinking, oh, maybe the next time I'll get it, you know? As a, the old saying, a, a patient cured is a customer lost. A myriad of drugs are used in treatment now. And yet we've got over 90% relapse rates. Wow. This is the missing piece. The reason I know is because I was 
among the pioneers in addiction treatment. We invented it. This wonderful family involvement, therapy, education, 12 step, combining it with the 12 steps, which already existed. It was beautiful in this long-term residential program with three good meals and everybody had to be working at the same time. Uh, it was a nonprofit, so that profit motive wasn't there. We were able to develop the nutritional when we saw the new addictions that were coming on that we had nothing. We had nothing for them. And we were in a depression as a, an industry, the addiction treatment industry, starting with crack cocaine. But then the brain scientists came and educated us about the, the cure uh, that I'm talking about, you know, that we're talking about, the amino acids. You know, it sounds really intimidating. Five areas of the brain could be malfunctioning, and that's why you feel so negative, even though your life is okay. And that's why you're going for drugs and drug foods. But it's not complicated. Turns out the brain is really easy to feed like a muscle. We know what muscles need, right? Glutamine. They need other other proteins. The brain is the same way. It needs proteins. These specific five amino acids in particular. It's interesting that the word protein, I think if you look at the, the actual etymology of the word, it, it literally means most important. You know, nobody talks about protein. Nobody has talked about protein much uh, since the 70s when we were told not to eat it, animal protein. We'd been thriving on animal protein since the beginning of our existence on the planet. But suddenly in the 70s, we were told that it was causing heart disease. It had never caused heart mm. disease before, but the, the fats in it were the problem. They said, and it turns out they were wrong. Saturated fat is not a demon. Uh, we've been eating saturated fat and red meat for millions of years, really. Mm -hmm. With no weight problems and no mood problems. It's different too, though, right? Because, you know, you, we've, with animal agriculture, we're, we're pumping these beautiful animals with so many chemicals and hormones that uh, end up inside of us and when we consume them. So it's so, ah, what a world that we live yeah. in, uh, how, to, how to find fresh, real food, ethically sourced is, uh, is, is a bit tough. You know, I, I'm a big fan of like the Mediterranean diet. You know, I, I realize there's so much research in, in that. But from your studies, is there a certain What's your recommendation when it comes to um, a balanced diet or a diverse diet? What would you, what do you suggest? So the first thing I suggest is that if you can't stop eating the foods that ruin your appetite for whole nutrient dense foods, um, namely sugar, uh, that you take the amino acids to stop the craving. You don't try and use willpower to eat better. So once you don't have the craving, then you have your instincts. And we've been eating according our, to our instincts all this time. You know, which plants, you know, it really depends on the person. Um, so we start with blood type. Um, are you a type O? Do you know what type O you are? I've got it written down somewhere. O, A. <laughs> I think it's O. I think it's O. Well, you're a classic O. Just the fact that you enjoy working out, the O is the original blood type. It's the oldest blood type. It's O for original, O for, for oldest. So it's really the best. It doesn't do well on the more modern foods. And by that, I mean the kind of 
carbs that we developed about 20,000 years ago when we became herders and planters instead of hunters and gatherers. It's really a hunter-gatherer blood type. So then I'm a type A. So I'm not as physically uh, robust and I've got some health problems because of it. Type A's don't make enough hydrochloric acid to kill the bugs, viruses, and so forth. We have a higher rate of cancer. Uh, but all of us, uh, whatever the blood type, we require protein, fat, and carbohydrates. So I don't recommend going for any diet that rules out any of the essential nutrients to mankind. Yeah. There isn't really good distinction between O's and the other blood types um, who, who have a, a better tolerance for things like beans. Yep. As an A, I can yep. digest beans pretty well. O's tend not to. Three meals a day, no less. Snacks if necessary. So if you start wanting a candy bar between meals, that means you either didn't eat enough at your meals or you need some celery and peanut butter or, you know? Some nuts. No, I, I like to snack on. I like to snack on like walnuts. There, there. If I need to grab some, it's nuts. It's such so the hell one of the healthiest foods you can eat. Yeah, that's it. You know, I always tell people. I say, you know, it's 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 not as complicated as the the nutrition and the diet experts make it out. I say just 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 eat food with ingredients you can pronounce. Eat food that rots. <laughs> uh, <laughs> eat, eat foods that's your great great grandmother would recognize please uh, yeah you know you're okay <laughs> when we have somebody there are quite a few uh people of chinese extraction in san francisco which is near me so we've worked and invariably they are great with white rice and mm. vegetables and protein whereas other people don't so do as well in white rice yeah so whatever you're your grandmother, your great grandmother, uh, go back as far as you need to, where you have a, a generation that was pretty healthy and at healthy weights, find out what they ate. And mostly, you know, it's about what they don't eat, what they didn't eat. They didn't eat this type of sugar. They didn't eat as much of any sugar. What are we eating that we shouldn't be eating? The foods that have a drug uh, action in the brain. And so that is high fructose corn syrup with hydrogenated fats rather than natural fats. You know, there are lots of people, especially typos, who really uh, can't digest tofu, for example. It's got, you know, pretty decent array of amino acids, not as good as animal products, uh, but still people in China seem to be adapted to it. You know, it doesn't cause problems, you know. so. I really hesitate to, you know, demonize any food, but I have this feeling you have some foods in mind yourself. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's interesting because, you know, you had you had talked about agave. Once I heard you mention agave, I actually I had some that I had uh, I had used and I like threw it in the trash can. <laughs> Once I heard you <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I guess that's kind of touted as is healthy you know that's healthy true sugar. that's true agave is supposed to be the healthy form of sugar absolutely not uh, agave sweetened foods and fruit juice sweetened foods so um, apples and pears happen to have a lot of free fructose in them um, among all the fruits they have the biggest percentage of free unbound fructose 
So when they make juice out of it, compress it, you know, concentrate it and use it to put in sodas and so forth, it's got the same or more high fructose syrup as the corn in Coke, the corn syrup in Coke. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. Wow. Hmm. All right. I want to play a game with you. This is a game <laughs> I play uh, with everybody who comes on. It's, it's called the five best. And it's kind of like a rapid fire game. So I'm going to ask you a few, five questions and yeah, you just give me your answer. You ready? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's it's fine. Trust me, trust me, trust me. It's fine. What was the best advice you ever got? Use amino acids. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's a big one. That is, that's huge right there. That works. What is the best book you've ever read? Or just a book. Oh, my God. I'm such a voracious reader. Well, I have to say the Old Testament. Yeah. I didn't read it yeah, great. until I was like 30, but. Mm. <laughs> it found you at the right time. <laughs> when was the best time in your life? When uh, my first book, The Diet Cure, uh, turned into a big hit and I became, you know, everybody's favorite health person. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And what's the best investment you ever made? I guess I would say my investment in graduate school because it taught me that I not only had a natural gift for sensing what people were feeling and being able to help them, but that I really enjoyed learning new things and that it was like a never ending uh, appetite. Uh, that started then. <laughs> okay, last question, Julia. If I gave you a magic wand and I said, make a wish, and when you woke up in the morning, right, your magic wand wish would be granted, what would your magic wand wish be? It would be to be interviewed by Prince E.A. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> well, there you have it. We did it. <laughs> We didn't. Such a pleasure. You're such a delight. Thank you so much for everything that you've contributed, everything that you, you're, the love that you've given and shared, the time, the people you help. Uh, we're, we're just so, so grateful that you're here. Where can people listening find your work if they're more interested, if they want to work with you, or where do they go? Uh, they go to my website, which is julierosscures.com. Um, and they find okay. out immediately about the three books and about our virtual clinic and the uh, professional training institute that I run to teach other people how to do this work, to spread it. And they could go to YouTube and endlessly hear me give talks on a bunch of things. But my most recent addition to YouTube is what I'm calling reality research so they can see for themselves it's not what I'm saying. It's what people are actually experiencing. And I think that's probably the best advice I can give. Julie Ross, thank you so much for coming on. It was such a delight and a pleasure to have you on Sauna Sessions. Thank you for having me.